Welcome to the MWC Church Podcast. MWC Church is a place where you can belong, believe, and become the person God's created you to be. Thanks for joining us online. Good morning. What is in a name today? Uh, is there anybody named Biff in the house today? No. When I, when I hear Biff, I think of Back to the Future. That's such just like a... A nostalgic name. Rufus, we had a family dog named Rufus. Anybody in the house named Rufus? So what's in a name this morning? Uh, This morning I'd like to start off by sharing an interesting fact about myself that I believe that most of you do not know. Uh, So it's going to be very great. It has to do with my name. If you have met me at all the last seven months and know me uh, or have seen my name or heard my name, you've heard me known as Justin. My last name is Brusali. It's Greek. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And so you know me as Justin Brusali, but Justin is actually my middle name. Now, some of you might have collected that there's something weird about my name if you've seen it on social media or something else, and you might have wondered, what's this all about? Uh, everybody here calls me Justin. Pastor Steve calls me Justin. But hold on to your seats. I'm going to reveal my first name to you. My first name is A. And there's just silence in the house. It's, it's just the letter A. You're wondering, it's correct. It's the first letter of the alphabet. Just A. It's not A-W-E. It's not A-E-E. It's not triple A. It's just A is my name. And actually, uh, technically, there's a period after my name. So it's A period Justin Brusali. And you're probably thinking, what in the world is this about? Well, it goes back to when I was born. I've got some pictures of myself up here uh, shortly after birth. So let me just tell you the story of how I got this crazy name, A period. Okay, so my parents, they were from California. They moved to Chicago area to ultimately end up planting a church. And my mom was the youngest of six kids. And so my grandma, who was in California, decided I'm all by myself because my mom had left. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to help them plant the church. And then I was, my mom was pregnant with me, so I was going to be born. She said, I'll be over there to help with her and the kids. And so she comes over, and my grandmother, when I was born, was 72 years old. And so about two weeks before I was born, this is what happened. My name was supposed to be Justin Alexander Brusali. That was going to be my name. And this two weeks before I was born, my grandma, who's 72, realizes that my initials are jab and realizes back in the 20s and 30s when she was in school how awful this must have been for somebody that had the initials jab. And she's thinking my whole life, I'm going to get made fun of. People are going to be saying, hey, jab, ha, 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 uh, which nobody ever did. But they, they thought that was going to be an issue. With jab, she told my parents. My parents thought, yeah, this is a real problem we're dealing with. And, and so naturally, you would think, well, maybe they would just switch the name, okay? But they didn't do that because my mom just didn't like Alexander or Alex to be my first name. Sorry if that is yours. But she didn't like that for me. Apparently, they couldn't come up with a better name in this two-week period. But what they did come up with is that if they called me A and put a period they could still call me Justin because I didn't have a full first name. So they could still get away with calling me Justin, or they thought about maybe we could call him AJ. That could, be, that could work too. And even on my first birthday cake, they just put Justin 
Because think about trying to raise a child with a one-letter name and try to explain to them and call them by, by their one-letter name. A, A, so it just, it, it didn't work. So, so that's my name, and it was like in high school, I started to embrace this A. Uh, everybody throughout my upbringing would call me Justin, but I started to embrace it. And my close friends, they still to this day, they will call me A dot because of the period, so that's my nickname. So you're welcome to call me that if you'd like, A dot, I like that. And so I started to embrace it and, and, and call myself by A, and I do enjoy going by it, it's a great story. Uh, but so what my grandma didn't realize or recognize is that when my, my great-grandparents came over from Greece, they changed our last name, as many people did for whatever reason, they wanted to be in America and change the name, so they changed it from Brusilisi to Brusali. So what my grandmother failed to realize is that I have a female name in my last name. So if I was gonna get made up for jab, how much are they gonna make fun of me for having Sally in my last name? <laughs> Fortunately though, I've always been one of the bigger kids in school and I never had a problem with having part of my last name be a female name. It was never, it was never an issue. Now I tried to get Lisa, my wife, when we found out we were having a son almost seven years, over seven years ago now, I tried to get her to keep going with the A. I'm like, this is gonna be amazing if we keep this A going, or let's start going through the alphabet. If Jesus doesn't come back, how cool will that be if we've got a K or whatever, or if it's really a long time we start to get into double digits, double letter names, that would be cool. Uh, but she didn't go for that. So I did, though, get away with uh, naming Bentley his, his first name, and A is his middle name. But now we've circled back to around to this initial issue because his initials are Babs. So I don't know if that's going to be a problem down the line or not. What is in a name? What is in a name? Well, the fact is, is that we all have a name. I have one, you have one, even if it's weird, even if it's one letter, we have a name. In fact, I always have trouble when it comes to government documents or official documents with my name, especially on the phone. It's always an issue. I get a call, I gotta call somebody back, so I call them and, and they're like, yes, sir, uh, we've got your application, we've got your information, we've got, we see your middle name is Justin, we need your full first name. And I say, it's A. My first name is A. Yes, we see there's an A there, but we need the rest of the spelling. No, it's just A. I'm sorry, sir, but did you say A? What is the rest of the spelling? And it's an issue all the time. Most people dismiss the A. Most people like get weird about it, and they're not sure what to do because it's one letter, so they won't even try to do that. What's in a name? We had a student at my home church who brought a friend one time to youth group. And we were always excited about kids bringing friend. And so, of course, you ask the kid what his name is, right? And this true story. He's got some crazy long last name that nobody can ever pronounce. But this poor kid, I don't know, I don't know what the background ultimately was in the story, but first name and middle name were random chance. <laughs> true story. I mean, why would you do that to a kid? I was so thankful I had A as my first name and not random. So what's in a name? We're going to look at some names in the Bible today. If you have your Bible and you'd like to turn there, we're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter 19. It will also be on the screen so you can follow along. Luke 19, chapter, uh, 19 verses 1 through 10. Starting in verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. 
He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save what was lost. This man named Zacchaeus hears about Jesus and we can see from verse three that it's pretty clear that he wanted to see Jesus and that's all he was looking for. He wanted to see who Jesus was. And now, if you look on that map, up in this top section is the Sea of Galilee. Jesus did most of his ministry in this three-year period up here in Galilee, but then he'd go down to the southern section to Jerusalem every year. And when he would go, he would stop in this town called Jericho. And at this time, this was the last trip that Jesus was going to make before he was going to be crucified. And so he stops in Jericho. At this time, people would know about Jesus, about his miracles, about the things that he was doing. And so it's clear that Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus, but from verse three, we see that he just wanted to see him. He had not met him yet. But that's all he was looking for, was just a look, just a glance, just to see him. I don't think he wanted to encounter him because as we see in other parts of scripture, if he really wanted to encounter him, Like others that we read about, he would have pushed through the crowd to get to Jesus, or he would have called out the name of Jesus, or he would have tried some way to get to Jesus, to try to touch him, to try to talk to him, but he doesn't do that, and in order to see him, he climbs up into a tree. Now, there was crowds of people that would have been trying to talk and see Jesus as well, and everybody knew the name Zacchaeus. They knew it because... He was taking all their money. He was a tax collector, and he was actually a Jew from Israel who was working for the enemy, the Roman government, and he was taking money from all his people, from all his fellow Israelites, and so they all knew the name Zacchaeus, so he wasn't getting up on anybody's shoulders because he was short. He had to climb the tree because nobody was going to do that for him, but he was just looking to see Jesus. And it's really interesting because in Greek, Zacchaeus means pure and innocent, of which at this time he was neither pure or innocent, but that will soon change. And what's so cool about this passage is that we can identify from verse three that Jesus and Zacchaeus had not had any encounter yet, but Jesus called him by name. Jesus knew his name. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. I need to go to your house. Four words I want you to understand today. Four words are what I want you to get in your head and your heart and let it sink in. And it's simply this, but powerful. Jesus knows your name. Jesus knows your 
name. You see, your parents chose a name for you. They have a given name for you, but Jesus chose you. Jesus chose you, and he knows your name. So Jesus calls Zacchaeus by name, calls him down out of that tree, and I want us to see that Jesus knows your name, but he also knows where you are. Zacchaeus goes up into the tree, and also what ends up being provided to him being in this tree is a nice covering where he can just be up in a tree and view Jesus. Again, the crowds around Jesus, people all over wanting to see what was happening, wanting to see what he might say. And Zacchaeus has a nice spot hidden up in this sycamore tree, very lush, big branches with lots of leaves. And also what I think from this passage that we see, because they had not met, Zacchaeus probably was pretty comfortable in the covering of the tree. But what I want us to know today is that discretion is no obstacle for Jesus. He was up in that tree, but he still called him out. Through the crowds of people, he said, Zacchaeus, come out of that tree. I know your name, but I know you. So there's no way we can get away from Jesus, which is a very good thing I want you to know today. Because he knows who you are. He knows where you are. When Jesus calls you out, it creates urgency to action. What happened to Zacchaeus? He comes out of the tree. Jesus goes to his house, and very quickly we see that Zacchaeus' life is completely changed. His attitude and his outlook is completely changed, and he realizes by encountering Jesus that his life needs changing and that he needs to make some changes. And because his heart changed and it showed outwardly by his expression to give back and give away all that he had taken, to turn away from his sin, Jesus says salvation has come to this home. Salvation came to Zacchaeus that day. See, the deal is, is that Zacchaeus wasn't looking for anything more than observation. He just wanted to see what it was all about. He was curious about this guy named Jesus, but when Jesus calls you out, it creates urgency. And usually when you say that somebody's going to call you out, it's oftentimes this negative connotation that they're calling me out because something I did. They're calling me out because something I said. They're calling me out because of behavior that was wrong or inappropriate. They're calling me out to show what I've done wrong, but in the case of Jesus, it's very positive when Jesus calls you out, and like Zacchaeus, he called him out of a tree, and Jesus might call you out of your routine, out of your situation, or as 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, Jesus might call you out of the darkness, because he said, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. See, Jesus wants to call you out of the life that ultimately ends in death and call you into the life in the light that is truly living, and that's found in him because Jesus knows your name. He knows you. He knows your name. So what do we do with this fact that Jesus knows our name? I believe it's very possible that somebody might be in here today thinking, That sounds pretty good, but I don't feel like anybody knows me. I don't even feel like anybody knows my name. In fact, I feel like I'm pretty invisible to the world. I'm pretty invisible to those around me. Or maybe like Zacchaeus, everyone knows who you are, but it's not because you're famous. It's because your name might have some 
something infamous about it because of baggage that you carry from mistakes that you made before in the past or things that are remembered because of your name that has stuck with your name. But Jesus knows your name. See, the creator knows you. Even if you don't feel like you know him, he knows all about you in this very moment. You see, you've never been unfamiliar to Jesus. He's always known you. He knew you before you were created, before you were born. He knew who you would be. He knows how many hairs are on your head. The Bible says he knows in and out of every day, of every moment of your life. But the powerful thing is that when Jesus knows your name, it establishes relationship. What do you do when you meet somebody? Oftentimes you exchange names, and the, the, name, the exchanging of names oftentimes is the beginning of the establishment of a relationship. You know somebody because you now know their name. It's not just somebody you know of. It's not just somebody you've seen, but you've established connection by knowing their name. You see, Jesus isn't just on a first-name basis with us, though. He doesn't just know your name, but he also understands you. He understands what's happening in your life right now. He understands what you're going through right now. He understands the scope of your entire being. Every part of you, he knows, and he identifies with, and he recognizes. So have hope in that today. So what do we do with understanding that Jesus knows our name? It's this amazing relationship that we have that's unlike any other religion, unlike any other God that somebody might say that they serve or follow because our God, the one true God, is the one who says that I sent my son Jesus for you. Jesus knows your name, but what does he encourages us to do? He says, not only do I know your name, but I invite you to say my name. Romans 10 says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So he invites us to say his name because there's power in the name of Jesus. He opened the door by dying on the cross and God raising him from the dead. By forgiving our sins, he's opened the door and he says, Jesus, say my name, Jesus, accept me as the savior of your life. And I want to encourage you this morning, some of you have been walking with Jesus for a long time. Some of you recognized and understood that 30 years ago, 40 years ago, I found out that this guy named Jesus knows my name and that he's the creator of everything, the whole world, that he created me and that he died for me and he loves me. But I want you to be reminded this morning, maybe you haven't thought of it in a little while. Life gets crazy, but Jesus still knows your name. Some of you have committed your life to following Christ, and you've done it for decades, but don't forget, friend, don't forget, believer, that Jesus still knows your name, and he still desires that everyday relationship with you. We just need to say his name. You see, last week we celebrated Jesus dying on the cross and God raising him from the dead. And we believe that Jesus was 100% God and at the same time 100% man. The Bible says that he felt everything that we have felt. He went through everything that we have that we can identify him. And you see, Jesus was on the cross and he didn't die just for numbers because the Bible says that he died for the whole world. But I want you to understand and know today that Jesus didn't die for numbers. He died for names. He died for your name. It was names, not numbers, that he died for because Jesus knows your name.
It might matter who you are, but more importantly, it matters whose you are. And that's if you belong to Jesus. See, Pastor Steve referenced it last week. When I was in high school, I used to truck through the halls between periods. I didn't stop at my locker. I had the big backpack that had all my books in it ready to go for pretty much every class. I made as few stops to my locker as I could, and I'd be trucking through the halls. And what happened, though, is uh, I went to a school, 2,500 kids, 565 in my graduating class, and there were a lot of Justins in my school because nobody called me A then. Everybody thought it was a misspelling. Somebody can't type. Who can't type? Who put the A in there? They called me Justin, but there were a lot of Justins. So I quickly established that the first Justin called out and called Justin, definitely not for me, okay? Second Justin, almost never for me. Third call out for Justin, most likely not me. Third or fourth, I might turn around. So I got in a habit, I'd be going through, through class and I would hear, it wasn't because I didn't hear, I would hear, Justin, Justin, but I knew the first two were not me. It was some other Justin. So I waited for the third or fourth. And I was okay with that because it didn't matter who I was. It mattered whose I was because my relationship was established with Jesus. And I didn't care about being popular. I didn't care that the first call out for Justin was not me. Of course, if it was A, well, then I knew it was for me because nobody else had that name. I could be clear there. And it's the very same reason why in December, when I'm at Dylan's getting some groceries, out of the corner of my eye, the very same moment, another gentleman also recognizes somebody in the store, a celebrity that they recognize, and they can't help themselves but try to find out who it is. And so he says, uh, excuse me, um, I just, are, you, are you her? Are you Kirstie Alley? And she says, yeah, 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 that's me. He says, I don't, I don't want to bother you. I just, I just wanted to, I, knew, I thought it was you, so I wanted to clarify that. Uh, so I decided since he wasn't going to talk to her, I'd step in and have a quick conversation with her in the meat section over at Dylan's for two or three minutes and talk a little bit about Wichita. But it wasn't about who she was. I'm concerned with whose she is. Because it's not about her celebrity status or how much money or wealth that she has or her stature, but I'm concerned with the fact that I don't know if she knows Jesus as her personal Lord and Savior. And that's why I wanted to make a connection, a name connection with her because I don't know where she's at. It matters more whose you are than what your name is, than what comes with your name even, good or bad, whether with your name comes popularity or status or acknowledgement, or if it comes with pain and sorrow and grief and heads turn away because of what comes with your name. It's not about that. It's about whose you are. It's about Jesus knowing your name and knowing you. So Jesus is relating to us, and he's on the cross, and he's going through every agonizing pain you could think of. Most of us probably have never experienced anything as painful as Jesus did on that cross, but yet when he was going through that, he's not thinking about the agony and the pain of being on the cross or thinking, oh, Father God, I just can't wait till this is over. I just can't wait till this pain is done, or as I'm running, I just can't wait till the end of this run where my body has no more pain. Jesus wasn't thinking about the pain. He was thinking about you. He was thinking about your name, not the pain he was enduring, because he died for you. He was thinking of you. In just a moment, we're going to watch this amazing spoken word about names in the name of Jesus. And in there, 
there's a name that you will see a couple times, and it's the name Barabbas. And what we see is as Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, and they're bringing him before the, the Roman government and saying, we want to get rid of this guy, crucify him. And when they're supposed to be the people of God, they're supposed to be the people who've waited hundreds of years thousands of years for the Messiah, and they should be the ones that are now being able to say his name, say the name of Jesus, but instead, when Pilate says, who do you want me to give to you, they don't say Jesus, they say the name Barabbas, and they choose to take the murderer and call out his name instead of Jesus' name, but even when we don't call out his name, there's still redemption. Let's watch this video. What's in a name? There's salvation in a name, and it's through Jesus. In the Bible, in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1, we see a powerful depiction from the Lord after he's just talked about the depravity of the Israelites and how they've fallen and not done what God wanted and disobeyed and not been the people of God they were supposed to be. But he says to them, but now this is what the Lord says, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. See, church, it doesn't matter what our name is, our given name, because when Jesus died on the cross and God raised him from the dead, God said that I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And now the name that I see when I see you is beloved. You are my beloved. You are the one that I gave my life for. In verse 10 of Luke 19, after Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house, and Zacchaeus receives salvation in his home, and Jesus says, the Son of Man came to seek and save that was lost. See, in in the Greek there, Zacchaeus, it says that he went to see Jesus, right? The Greek word is zeteo, Zacchaeus went to see. It means to seek or to look for. So as Zacchaeus had intentions just to see and to look for Jesus, in the same way, verse 10, it says Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That word seek is also zeteo. So as Zacchaeus is looking to see and look for Jesus, Jesus is on his way to seek and look for him because he is beloved. You are beloved. And he died for names, not numbers. Jesus knows your name. So we're going to do two things today. I want us to acknowledge that if we're a believer and you've accepted Jesus, whether it was last week, 10 years ago, or 40 years ago, you have been walking with Jesus. You know that he knows your name. But be reminded today that he still does. What has happened in your life recently, maybe, that we've forgotten this idea that, man, Jesus is walking with me every day. Jesus knows you every day. He knows your name. He knows you. So if you know Jesus today, can we take time as we're going to worship and respond to this to realize that maybe, maybe you haven't said the name of Jesus in a while. Maybe you haven't come before him and just said, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, let me recognize once again that you've never left, you've never forsaken me, that you've always been here, that you've always been available and ready for me to come to you. Maybe we just need to thank him. Say, thank you, Jesus, for what you did. Thank you that although years ago I felt like I was nobody, that nobody knew who I was. Last year, I didn't feel like I knew anybody, but I've been living for you for a year. 
remember, Jesus knows your name. But for you, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, today may be the first time or the tenth time you've heard about this man named Jesus. To know that right now today, to acknowledge and recognize that Jesus knows your name and he died for you to save you. I want to not pass this time without giving someone an opportunity to accept Jesus as their savior. So we're going to pray a prayer in a moment, and I'm going to ask that everybody in here that we pray this together and repeat after me. But if we can just close our eyes and bow our heads, and this simply is to give reverence to the Lord and for those who are making a commitment, maybe for the first time, to follow Jesus. It's simply asking him, inviting him into your life. Remember, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, mouth out loud, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you are realizing in your life right now, in your heart, you're saying, I need Jesus. I've never asked him to come into my life. I need him right now. With an outward expression of what's happening inside of you, would you quickly just raise your hand so we know who's asking Jesus to come into your life today? So if we can repeat this and pray this prayer of salvation to invite people to invite Jesus into their life. Will you pray this with me? Heavenly Father, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Today I make Jesus the Lord of my life. I believe you died so that I might have life. You rose again. I am forgiven. This is my new beginning. This, I am a child of God. I am a new creation. Amen. Can we acknowledge that somebody got saved today and applaud their decision to follow Jesus today? That's the best decision you can make in your life. And I hope for you that have prayed a prayer similar to that before, that by praying that it's simply a remembrance, a continued acknowledgement of what Jesus has done, that again today I just say thank you, Jesus. Maybe it's been a couple days, but once again I heard that prayer, I said it with my mouth, and I remember what you did for me, that you saved me. So can we take a few moments and respond? As we worship, as we lift up the name of Jesus, the altar time is open. That's this front stage area that if you just need to come before him, kneel in your seat, kneel at the altar, and just say the name of Jesus. Just say, Jesus, I just want more of you. Jesus, help me to remember that you know my name. Whatever it might be, can we take a moment to respond to what God is doing right now?